Welcome to Talking Social Studies. You are listening to episode 29, Flipping Social Studies with Flipping a Teacher for April 26, 2019. I take pride in the words, Ich bin ein Violiner. Now I am become death, the destroyer of worlds. Men will still say, this this is the podcast where we talk about social studies in education today. We hope you will find conversations about strategies, resources, ideas, and more, all designed to help today's social studies teachers impact their students. Hi, I'm Chris Hitchcock. I teach world history for a private online high school uh, affiliated with Indiana University. You can find me on Twitter at chitch94. You can also find our Talking Social Studies website at bit.ly slash talking ss hello everyone i'm amy presley and i'm a history teacher at broken arrow high school near tulsa oklahoma you can follow the talking social studies podcast on twitter at talking ss and you can follow me at stl in okay hey everyone i'm chris heffernan i'm a seventh grade global studies teacher at jefferson junior high in naperville illinois i'm also a moderator of world geochat you can find me on twitter at C Heffernan 75. And we're lucky enough today to have a guest with us. Um, Andrew, tell us who you are, what you do, and, and why we need to know about it. Okay, hi, uh, I'm Andrew Swan. I teach eighth grade social studies at Bigelow Middle School. That's in Newton, Massachusetts, a uh, suburb of Boston. And I've been there, I think this is my 15th year uh, teaching at Bigelow. And I have been uh, trying to Flipped my classroom, uh, uh, try the flipped learning method. Uh, this is my sixth year, year six of trying to do that. And um, uh, full disclosure, I'm also one of the SS chat moderators. Nice plug. <laughs> Chris Hitch does not plug herself nearly enough. No, she really doesn't. I mean, you got to take advantage of every chance you get. <laughs> well, to get us started off today, um, I imagine that many of our listeners are probably familiar with what flipped instruction is, but could you give us a quick definition um, and let us know why you decided to make the leap to the flipped model in your teaching? Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, we'll probably get to some other parts of it later in the, the podcast here, but uh, basically flipped, flipped learning is, is basically sort of a subset of blended learning. You're trying to use leverage uh, online technology as, as best you can. And uh, I described it a, a number of ways, um, but one of the best ways I think of is I think of it as sort of cloning myself in sort of the, the online world in a way that uh, is gonna be most effective for, for my students. So that's where the, the video part comes in. I think some people tried flip classroom, stretching it beyond video, and I don't think that's a really helpful way to to think about it. And that's the way that I've approached it. Um, in terms of how I got into it, uh, part of it was, there are a few things. Part of it was reading a book in 2013 by John Bergman and Aaron Sams. Uh, it's called Flip Your Classroom Every Day. And that might have been what sort of proliferated the concept for a lot of folks. Um, but one way I really got into it was just I was tired of lousy projects, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> I, I wanted to be that teacher who allowed students to have like freedom and independence and, and research their own things. And frankly, I got a, a lot of lousy 
sort of stuff because when I had them doing that outside of class and uh, probably the worst or the, the best worst example was the student who uh, chose the Treaty of Paris. And when we were looking at colonial period, I expected to get a decent poster about the Treaty of Paris that ended the French and Indian War. And I get a spunky poster about the Treaty of Paris that ended the American Revolutionary War and for some reason had Napoleon Bonaparte on it as well, who of course had no <laughs> function in that whatsoever. And uh, so the terms of flipping, you know, if you think of that sort of inverting something is really, it brings those sort of projects into the classroom. More of that happens in my classroom and cloning myself allows some of the more direct instruction to occur uh, in the individual space, you know, in, in, on the student's own time. Cool. So when it comes to, um... I guess it's such a it's such a neat thing that I see out there, like with your classroom and others. It's overwhelming to see the end product. How do you start it? How to get started? Yeah, what's the jump off point? Don't do what I did. <laughs> <laughs> what I did was I read this book over the summer and decided this is it. This is going to be everything. I'm going to flip all of the things. And with all the other things that are going on as you're getting to know students and so on, I'm doing this and I'm filming videos in my car while my son's in practice, sports practice hey, or something. Um, <laughs> way, way, way too much. Um, you, you start you start small. You start with something that you're really familiar with. You really know what it is that students need to know um, and what they can get from you. Like I said, like sort of cloning yourself. So when I really got my, my beat on it, like one of the best things I did was, you know, think of those things that you um, you feel really good about, about getting across, but it's just really exhausting to do. So like I do this thing about the Declaration of Independence, presenting it as like a breakup kind of message. And I don't know about it, you know, all the rest of you, but if I teach four sections and so doing that same performance time after time after time, you know, four in a row and keeping a straight face in front of students, it was really difficult, really exhausting. And then there were those handful of kids who weren't there and never got to see it. So that was one of the first videos that I made was, was presenting that. And I got the benefit of doing multiple takes and, or, you know, getting the best video take. And frankly, I've reused that video. I think this was the fifth year. I got to recycle that one. Um, so, so that's a, a good way to start is something that you you really want students to get and you know that you can you know present that and, um, and, and something you're really confident that that's what they need to know before you can move on to deeper stuff like I do about the Declaration of Independence. Okay. So, so this might not be the best strategy for someone who's brand new to a content or brand new to teaching in general. No, it's really not. So actually where you're catching me right now, I'm doing an action civics project with my students that I've never done before and I'm not flipping it. And okay. it's been really weird for me actually these past few weeks, <laughs> not, uh, not, not flipping my instruction, doing a lot more directing class. I'm frankly kind of rusty at it. Um, I'm like, how did I do this for all the time? <laughs> how do people do this? <laughs> and then do it again. Um, I'm sure we, we all can and we all do. But but it's because, like I said, like I don't know what it is they need to know. I don't know what it sure. is they need to break down in that sense. So if you think of like the Bloom's taxonomy, um, you know that classic sort of 
pyramid. What I'm really flipping, what they need to know is like those lower level things, right? The knowledge, the recall, the, the vocabulary terms, the context for the historical event so that we can dig into primary sources. So you can dig into those deeper things. So you know which darn Treaty of Paris to talk about, <laughs> for example. Um, and when you're doing something new, yeah, like you said, um, Chris, it's, it's, it's not probably best for something that you're not so familiar with. Um, I mean, you can do it, but, but right. that's not where I, that wouldn't, certainly if you were gonna start with this practice, nope, that's not where you should begin. Do you How, do like a backwards design, I guess, with that? I mean, you're, you're starting with what are the have tos? Yeah, so that's one thing that flipping did for me is it really forced me to do that. I knew I I learned it in graduate school. I knew the concept of it and so on. But frankly, you can get really into the trap of, OK, what am I doing tomorrow? And then what am I doing the next day? And what am I doing? And and one thing that backward design does and, and flipping does, frankly, as well, is it made me rethink, like, what are students doing today? tomorrow, the next day, or most importantly, what do they need to do at the end of this unit? And, um, and, and again, well, flip, the reason why flipping helps me to do that is I really need to think about what are those essentials that they would need and when do I need to give that to them? Uh, we might talk about this later. I mean, it, it certainly, I'll admit, it does take time to produce a good video lesson. I'm not going to waste my time on that for something that's not going to have that be leading toward that end product. So I guess, um, Amy, to what are you saying about like, like backward design? I think it's it, it forces me into good it forces you into good habits and those good kinds of, of planning practices. So accountability and mm -hmm. equity. Um, like I guess actually my first question is like for your situation, do you have like do all of your kids have internet access at home or the ability to like watch videos at home? Because so I do feel very fortunate in the sense that okay. the community where I teach uh, does have very wide. I mean, it is a, you know, one of the wealthier suburbs outside of Boston. Sure. I mean, we do certainly have diversity. Um, I would say if I were teaching in a one-to-one, -one, my student, my, my own children, I rather are actually in a one-to-one -one school. So I would do things differently for example. So one thing I do for videos is I always give two nights. It's never due the next day. I always give two or three for those kinds of tech access issues. Some students rely on our school library, our after school academic center kind of time. Um, if I knew that they all had a device, I might do more next day kind of assignments. So it depends on, on what you've got for yourself. If my students, if it were like 50 or 60%, I would probably do it very differently. Some teachers I know use their different terms like an in-class flip or the in-flip kind of method, or you could do it as like stations. So imagine if you had like a certain number of devices available. Um, some students are doing one thing, some students are doing another, and you do this sort of station rotation. And one of those stations, they could be uh, absorbing the video lesson during school time. You know, that might be something that you could do. Um, so those are some ways to address the equity issue. I also look at it like the other way around. Let's, you know, my ideal, maybe somewhat naive sense is let's use the benefits of something like flipping or blended learning to push administrations to and cities and so on to provide more wi-fi access and and device access and so on but again maybe that's taken a little too far i don't know <laughs> no 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 not at all no, i've heard those stories do you remember the stories about like the school buses that have the wi-fi set on them and they park them outside the uh, apartment complexes so kids can access them oh that's brilliant i've never heard that before but that is yeah. brilliant 
yeah, I've heard of that too. <laughs> Taking mental notes right now. Right, <laughs> something to suggest. So when you're creating your flipped content, what are some of the tools and platforms that you use? I guess like kind of what's your workflow and then what is your student's workflow? I think you've touched on that a bit, but with the like multiple nights to be able to access it, but just maybe a little more detail about what you do like in creating them and then how your students. Yeah, I think there's a lot of variety to that. Um, I, a lot more of my time goes into just figuring what it is that they would need and sort of some of the scripting of it. Um, I've tried all kinds of tech platforms. I've used Microsoft PowerPoint Mix. So, so depending on the topic you're trying to get across, sometimes they don't need my face. They don't need um, so much. I need my my voice, but some things come across better visually. So some kind of screencast of a Google slide or something. Um, I mean, I would say to your audience, think about how it is you already present things. If you already do lectures or presentations in class, you probably already think about this, right? Like, what do you need to like physically demonstrate with your own body or with other kinds of things? I've even gone as far as, um, oh my God, I have this uh, political parties one where I happen to find a beanie baby elephant and a beanie baby donkey. And I basically do a puppet show. <laughs> and my eighth graders love it. I mean, it, it, you know, yes, it's a little bit young for them, but they're at that age where they sort of know that it's young for them. And that actually is part of the appeal to it, perhaps. But again, it's it's getting them to know the you know Republican to elephant, donkey to to Democrat. Um, but again, there's some other historical or or governmental or geographic topics. You know, well, geography, right? You may want to have just the map on this on right. the screen. Um, whether your face, so there is some a little bit of like research to this that having your face on there, even if it's sort of squished in the corner or something like that does seem to have an impact on students learning. Um, but sometimes it will, frankly, I will still use sort of voiceover. So basically, um, I've used all kinds of things. My favorite right now is Screencast-O-Matic. There's a free version and a premium version. And what I like is that it allows the screen, the webcam, a combination of those, um, and some nice little like video editing tools if you're going to shell out for the, the premium. So it, it really gives me that sort of freedom to use like one tool for whichever thing it is. And again, like the time that you'd put into the screencast slideshow lecture piece, you would do anyway for what you were doing in class, you know, if you're going to mm -hmm. present it in class, I think. So in that sense, it's not really extra time. Um, but what Screencast-O-Matic has helped me do is just export the file um, much easier. And I just put it on Vimeo. My school has a Vimeo account. YouTube is fine, but then you get the weird comments and related videos thing, perhaps. Um, and and we also have an LMS. We have Schoology, but you know Edmodo, whatever you know Google Classroom. You can embed these things, and that's where students just always go. It's just one stop shopping to access the, the videos. I say, in my experience, I've always the the little I've done with Flip Classroom has always been the replacement lesson when I'm out. Mm. Your kids mm -hmm. get sick; they never get sick at a convenient time. It's two a.m. Right. Uh, but you're wide awake, so you might as well make that 10-minute, you know, video of what yep. today's content was going to be. And, you know, you can get a 40-minute class done in about 10 minutes because there's no wait time. You know, they're going to hit pause. And and just like you said, yeah, you've cloned yourself, right? So you're you're there even when you're not there. Um, and, and to your point, too, it, it does. It makes me, and I guess you too, Amy, like it makes... 
it, it makes you realize like all the fluff that you might have done like in class or so you can really it really forces you to yeah be succinct and, and get the point across because they can pause they can rewind um or maybe the sub can pause and rewind you know, however they're getting it presented to them and um and, and so you can go at your own kind of speed knowing that they can do what they can't do in class or you don't want them to do like raise their hand like can you go back and say what you said um they can do that themselves yeah so as somebody who's about to be teaching eighth grade um how long do you make your videos about like what would you say mm. is like the the sweet spot of an eighth grader and i mean i know you've you've done a lot of work with people who do it with elementary and high school so like What's like your target video length for each different level? Um, I've aimed for like the five, six, seven minute. There was some rule of thumb of like one minute per grade or something, but that just seems really arbitrary. Some of the feedback I got from students was that my shorter ones were not as effective. And maybe I went too far with what I was saying, just saying a minute ago of trying to sort of squeeze it all into one piece and like, oh, you can go back and rewind or something. Well, they might not. <laughs> also, you can't necessarily count on that. And that may be something I'll, I'll come back to in a moment. Um, yeah, sweet spot, probably about 10 or 12 or so. Um, because they should be pausing and depending what you're asking them to do. Um, I remember a few minutes ago, I, I, you were saying something about accountability. Um, and I should probably say more about that in a moment. A moment later so they may be pausing and taking notes or something like that so a 10 minute video might not just be 10 minutes of their time but that was some of the feedback i got i was sort of surprised that they said like my longer ones were better even when they're like 13 14 minutes um or if i used someone else's material as well again I, i've never really gotten complaints about the length and actually i did one that was um 19 minutes and i haven't had a single complaint yet so if it's i mean i think really the point is like what this really makes you think about fortunately or unfortunately is like what's the value of the homework assignment right what's the point of it and when they know that it's going to even 20 15 20 minutes they can see the length actually right before they click play they see the length of the, the video but generally when they have when you've earned their trust that no kids you really need to know you need to do what this is and it's going to be the payoff no complaints so I guess I could say up to 20 minutes, uh, you know, depending on what's in there. So you were starting to talk about that accountability piece. Um, so how do you deal with that? Like if there's a kid who either doesn't watch the video at all mm -hmm. or, you know, in air quotes, watch the video. Um, but clearly they didn't like do any of the things that you want them to do. Like, how do you deal with that the next day when you're ready to move on with discussion or group work or whatever it is that they're doing? in class and that kid is so far behind everybody else then? So there are a couple of tools. One tool is Edpuzzle um, that has a, the ability to upload a video and then in, it can be yours or it can be someone else's as well. And you can make uh, questions, different kinds of questions built into it, either multiple choice or open response. And so you know, if you assigned that, okay, you need to do that. Today's Monday. You need to do that by before Wednesday's class or before Thursday's class. You could see what, who's done it. One tool, uh, one aspect I love is you can also see how much of the video perhaps that they've watched. Um, so again, that's something you don't have to flip your classroom to utilize, but right. I have found that, but I, frankly, this is the first year I used that method. Um, 
So one thing actually it can do is, I mean, accountability goes both ways. So I'll get to the student accountability, but one thing it can do is when you assess their knowledge, it, it's actually shown me sometimes where I wasn't so clear in the lesson. Sure. If a lot of kids bomb a certain question or don't give the satisfactory answer, you're like, oh, maybe I do need to use class time to do that, or I do need to, you know, give an extra date for that, uh, an extra day for X concept or, or assignment or project, um, which again is something I might not have gotten, or maybe from an exit ticket uh, if I'd done that as an in-class piece. But um, that, so that's that's one way for accountability. Um, but you want to know about student accountability too? I guess that's. I mean, that's yeah. the one I think. I think we run into a lot of. Like if yeah. Got the right? Right. What if they don't do it? Um, so one thing I guess is again that's where the backward design thing really comes in. Uh, for one thing is, it, again, I guess that kind of goes both ways. When I know that this is what they really need to know, then I'm going to really focus on making sure that they do know it when I can see that in the, in the plan of, again, if they don't know which Treaty of Paris it was or like what war it was ending, um, then I'm going to get another Napoleon Bonaparte, you know, wrong sort of poster, right? Um, so the simplest, most effective method I found is doing an in-class assessment on the date when the video was due. And what I do is I would mount the video in my LMS and actually give them, I tell them the quiz questions ahead of time so that there's no mystery to it. Uh, and tell them, this is what you need to focus upon for this topic here. So like the silly little beanie baby Democrats and Republicans one, um, you need to know who are two well-known Democrats and two well-known Republicans. You need to know what are um, three you know things that Democrats believe in and three things that Republicans believe in. And actually in the video, I might have more than that number and then when the students come in they get a sheet and it's got exactly those questions and i can tell whether they they know it um i've tried different sort of strategies of that uh one thing i liked doing was having a sort of built-in activity for them to do and i could literally check through the quiz uh you know if i can't read your handwriting hey chris come on over you know hey mike <laughs> come on over here and, and let me uh you know oh what did you mean oh okay and then they can go back um, and I was going aiming for mastery again, since I've cloned myself, you know, if you come in and you didn't watch the video at all, and it's pretty clear cause you've left your quiz basically blank. Well, I know what you're doing tonight. Right. Right. Um, if you, there was a certain concept or something you didn't get, I call the, I keep using the term need to know. That's what I call these assignments. It's a need to know. So you're going to go back and watch that part of the video. You're going to come back to me. I'm going to reassess you on that part of the quiz. And when you show it, okay then um, you're ready to move on to the, the next piece, the next sort of built-in small group, you know, in-class kind of project. So simplifying a bit, but that's, that's the accountability that I go for. Do you know what, what I needed you to know from this video? And until you do, I'm not going to facilitate you like doing the deeper, you know, the higher level Bloom's taxonomy kind of tasks. Awesome. So what would you say are... I guess, kind of um, pitfalls to watch out for. Um, and any, uh, I know that you've said like, start small, don't try to flip everything uh, and every uh, those types of things. But do you have any other tips for success? So I guess like, I guess things to look out for that's like, oh, this is not going well <laughs> and, and things that may help people implement this successfully. Yeah. So one thing I learned my 
first year, um, some some of my students during like an enrichment or intervention period, they're able to, we do have laptop carts. So one really weird thing, uh, I don't know if this is a pitfall, but if you're going to record yourself or something, get used to seeing your face on screen. <laughs> And uh, perhaps hearing your your own voice if kids aren't using headphones uh, all around. Um, but again, you know what? Like we're we're teachers. Like our face and our our voice are already out there. Um, and I teach middle school. Like I lost my dignity like years ago. Like I gave <laughs> on having an ego and so on. Very true. So if you still have one, good for you, I suppose. But <laughs> um, I learned to encourage the closed caption. Ah, yes. That's um, that's one thing on Vimeo. Vimeo uh, doesn't, and the YouTube one, if it's doing the speech to text, sometimes it can be wrong, entertainingly or yeah, <laughs> inappropriately. But <laughs> <laughs> um, I was going to say, like one thing that I learned um, when I was watching those students, like doing that during those intervention periods, I realized they were watching it on like the the embedded, like the mini box within the screen. And I said. Do you know there's a full screen option there, so you don't have to have your face like four inches? Fr- and they didn't know. Basically, they have to be taught how to watch videos, and that, and and that's just one like really concrete version. But even just the fact like they can pause and rewind, they need to be reminded about that. So the very first video that my students watch is called "How to Watch Videos." It's like the book "How to Read a Book," <laughs> and um, it's only about four minutes long. I recorded it in my basement, and. It, it tells them those things. And then the very first assessment that they get is because um, I've gone through some some of these topics. So the very first assessment is name three ways to avoid distractions. And I've told them in the video, it's things like get a quiet room, use headphones, um, yeah, name some tech tools that you can use, the pause button, the rewind button. Isn't it weird we say rewind, even though these guys don't like actually use cassette tapes? <laughs> no, tapes? They know what rewind means. <laughs> Like back up. I don't know. So I guess that would be one pitfall is just don't, you know, assume or presume anything, including the fact that they would know how to watch uh, videos because you're asking them to watch videos to learn. And so they don't, you know, they don't watch a Netflix, you know, show for like three or four minutes and pause and turn and be like, well, what did we think about that? That's, <laughs> that's very true. No, I think, I think, Andrew, you're so, you're so dead on on that one. Like, I've had to show kids, like, you know, like, we have the talk every year about how nothing's in a textbook or in a nonfiction book or in, like, an article. Like, nothing's put there by accident. Like, Oh, yeah. Like, you actually have to, like, you have to teach them, like, look at the caption on the picture. Look at the actual picture. Like, don't just be like, oh, good. This page has a whole lot of pictures on it. I can read fast. <laughs> like, take the time to use the pictures. So I think you're, you're so dead on with uh, the idea that like you have to teach them how to watch, to learn as opposed to watch, to be entertained. Um, and actually, Oh, just to jump off that point, I one pitfall I've done is like trying too hard to be entertaining. Um, I can vividly remember like spending like an hour, hour and a half plus or so taking what I thought was a fairly dry topic. And I tried using like, some iMovie tools for this one to like have, you know, extra, edit cuts and, and, you know, text coming in and so on. And actually the assessment results on that were some of the lowest of the year. <laughs> um, so that wasn't time well spent. 
by any means. And on the other hand, some of my simplest ones are just the, you know, sort of the talk, what, you know, seems like a sort of a talking head, uh, kind of me just straight to the webcam on my school assigned laptop. Um, maybe adding like a couple little like details or, so, or even just having something written on paper that I put next to my face uh, to show them. And I get some of the best results out of, out of those. So that's been part of my still in, in year six, my learning process about what's a really effective kind of uh, video lesson. But generally I would say, yeah, the bells and whistles are the last thing you want to be worried about. A good microphone though, that is helpful. Um, the echo in a classroom, for example, can be quite distracting. So if you can find anywhere else, and I would again say like your car has wonderful acoustics. <laughs> Any car, like that, that's a great place to be. That, there's a pro tip right there. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, I never would have thought of that. <laughs> and it's quiet, like if you're in your garage or something. <laughs> See, I've got a, well, I've got a dog off, barking yeah. in the background and right now. So, <laughs> Amy, you were like ahead of the game all this time of podcasting in the car. Yeah, I've got plenty of pictures of me with the setup, with the tablet on the dashboard and the earbuds. And, yeah. Perfect. <laughs> Living on the edge of legality here, probably. <laughs> yeah. Fine. I was in the parking lot. Oh, okay, good. There we go. <laughs> Safety first. <laughs> so as we kind of wind down here, um, I, I think my last question here is like, is it possible for you to share with us on your show notes any of your videos so that way people can actually like see what it really looks like from like an authentic person. Yeah, definitely. The, the deck, the couple of the ones I mentioned, the silly beanie babies one, the declaration of independence. Huh? I want to see that one. Okay. Me too. <laughs> We're taking requests here. <laughs> <laughs> Which videos do you want to see? <laughs> um, yeah, I can grab one of those other uh, things. You know, one thing I'm, I, I should mention too, and again, this may be a good way to start. One thing that I just learned like really this year is the power of flipping your directions, especially for like a major project. Yes. So I've done that two or three times this year. I mean, how, you know, right. You're standing up there and you're, you're going through and you're being super clear and the kids are like looking at you and they're not in their heads and they seem to get it. And then again, the middle <laughs> or like the end of the project, you realize, Oh wait, you totally don't know this part. So one thing I did, I'll, I'll send this one. Um, that you can have as well. Like uh, I tried using like, use like a Google form and made like a couple of them and then they watched the video. You could do this with Ed Puzzle too, but they watched it and then they had to basically say back to me what they understood about it. And the kids who didn't understand certain things, I literally, the next day I brought them to my table for like each question by question was like, okay, you said this, but actually it's going to be this thing. Say it back to me out loud right now. <laughs> um, one at a time, you know, just like round robin because they can't understand projects direction. Is there any possible way for them to over understand a project direction? Has that ever happened in the history of teaching or learning? I don't think so. I don't believe so. No, really not. <laughs> um, or again, like you've, you've cloned yourself. So like the kid who was absent, right. And then you have to like meet with them for like those, like, you know, you did it for 20 minutes for the whole class. How many minutes does that kid get? Uh, you've probably missed something. They nodded their head. They maybe didn't get it, but again, you can send them back to it or at any point in the project, you get to send them back to it. Um, so that's what, that's one I should let you know about. And I want to make sure other folks knew too, cause that's been my little epiphany of the year. No, that's one thing, great. One of the things I found out was my district, um, blocks anything on YouTube that's labeled entertainment and apparently teacher created videos are considered entertainment. <laughs> um, 
What does that mean? Yeah, yeah really. The kids are like, you're blocked for entertainment. I'm like, I'm not that entertaining. Right. <laughs> but what I was able to do is my technology department did unlock just my channel. So one of the cool side benefits of that was anything I put into a playlist also got unblocked. So those like, hey, you know, I want the kids to watch this 10 minute piece of a documentary but it's listed as entertainment, not if I put it in my playlist. So everything to them gets shared, you know, and called through my channel, which has worked out really well. That's, oh, that's really awesome. cool. Um, another little trick I knew was like there's quietyoutube.com. If you use like www.quietyoutube.com and then the uh, whatever is the string of characters afterwards, what it does is it puts it on like a plain white background. You don't get the relateds. You don't get the ads. Oh, those uh, lovely, you know, vodka ads before my video plays. Yeah, isn't that great? Yeah. I'm going to learn that one now. Thank you. There's another one I found, too, called View Pure. Yes, View Pure you works can, fantastic. Yeah, you can put, you just copy the link of the YouTube video that you want to show them and then paste it into the View Pure window or whatever and the URL bar, and it just creates this thing and you can also set it to like start at or end at points other than the beginning or end of the video. It's so like oh, if you just wanted them to watch a section of it. Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty sweet. And it cuts out all the nonsense. Yay. Yeah. So until YouTube figures that out, we're going to use that. <laughs> well, I am so glad you agreed to join us. This is, this is awesome. No, this has been great. No, I love talking talking about this for you guys no that's awesome well thank you so much um and thank you especially for coming in on relatively short notice no worries at all appreciate that you're, you're letting people see what's going on behind the curtain here chris hey now we're supposed to look professional. <laughs> hey well you know we're just keeping it real all right well we're going to add to the show notes andrew a couple of your flip lessons um, I know I'm going to be scoping about. Good. Uh, I also want to put a plug in for the Flip Learning Network. Anyone who's interested, uh, this is just a network for you know, any folks who are interested at any kind of level. Um, there are hundreds, hundreds, thousands around the world of folks trying this at all different kinds of ways. So you're you're never alone in in trying this. And as we all know, like any kind of network is uh, helpful and and uh, keeps us out of our silos and, and so forth. So whatever kind of issue you're having with flipping, um, you know, there's someone else in the flip learning network who's done or doing the same kind of, of thing that, that you're into. So. And you um, have, a, you have another a Twitter chat for flip learning too, right? Yes. Uh, that's right. Uh, like, plug away. Flip class. Yep. Uh, hashtag flip class uh, is one hashtag to follow. And we have hashtag flip class chat. Um, all is one hashtag there. Um, Monday evenings, uh, 8 p.m. Eastern. So come for social studies chat. Stay that, for flip class chat. It's it's my two hours of Twitter heaven. Yep. There, there you go. Twitter sanity. Follow the next day by World Geo chat. Right. That that's the next day. Yeah, you get you get a you get a break before yep, you come back yep. for that. Twenty four hours to recover. That's right. <laughs> so much professional development. <laughs> In so little time. Exactly. All right. All right. To my knowledge, um, I don't think we ever decided what two weeks from now we're talking about, but it can be a surprise. It's exactly. It's it's the joy of finding out that day of opening your podcast feed and discovering 
oh, they're talking about blank. So, or you can always send us suggestions. Heck yeah. Be very helpful. <laughs> well, thanks again, Andrew, for joining us. And until next time, folks. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Peace out. <laughs>